Welcome to the Chocolate Cake Bites podcast. This is a podcast where we're going to discuss, understand, maybe even sometimes challenge Latter-day Saint culture. I'm your host, Ken Williams. The opinions, attitudes, ideas, and thoughts that we discuss are those of the hosts and guests. Do not in any way reflect the official doctrines or stances of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and welcome to this week's conversation. Welcome back. Good morning. Or good afternoon, good evening, whatever it may be, wherever you are, and whenever it is. I'm your host, Ken Williams, and I am excited to be talking to you a little bit. Uh, not sure how things are going to go today. I don't have anybody with me. It's been such a great experience talking with friends and family. Uh, I'll mention Annette just because I can. <laughs> and it is always a great conversation when I sit down with her. She's got some uh, wonderful insights, and we'll have her back on soon. I've also uh, been talking to CJ about getting him back, and we've got some things that are in the works there. It was so great talking to Sean a few weeks ago and getting some perspective on how do you find peace and maybe even joy when you have somebody who decides to make choices that are different than what you imagined or anticipated. And uh, so I spent a few days over the last a week or so with my parents and had some wonderful conversations. One of the things that came up for me was the scripture in Mosiah 319, one of my favorites because it is just a reminder of how how far I still need to come. Mosiah 319, this is a, back in the olden days when we did a scripture chase or scripture mastery, this was one of the um, scripture mastery scriptures. It is about the natural man. For the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever. And that is pretty indicative, I think, in a lot of ways. And it continues, of course, unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord and becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. I love this scripture. It's such a great reminder in a lot of ways. And I don't know that we're going to necessarily dissect the whole thing, but I there are a couple things that I've been thinking about and have been thinking about for quite a while that I just want to kind of talk out. And if you have thoughts or comments, ideas, different opinions, that would be fantastic. Go ahead and reach out to me, Ken at chocolatecakebites.com. Let me know your thoughts. And to start out, let's just talk about what is the natural man. And there are there are general conference talks, there are sermons, there's certainly people who have given a lot of thought, a lot of uh, time and consideration pondering what this is. And I'm just going to share my thoughts. And as I mentioned in the the intro to the to each episode, these are just my thoughts. And they're things that help keep me centered and grounded. And you may find that they work for you, maybe not, and that's okay. But the natural man, for me, one of the things that I think the natural man is just how we 
tend to be naturally. This is, it's natural. It's not, I think because it's, it's just part of the human condition. We're, we tend to behave in a, cer- a certain way. I think our behavior comes from the way that we think. And so the way I think about the scripture is the natural man has to do with the thoughts and behaviors that I naturally engage in, meaning the things that I do if I don't have some other outside influence. And that outside influence can take many different forms. It could be a seminary teacher. It could be a parent or a spouse or a a leader or bishop. It could be the certainly scriptures and the spirit and and receiving promptings during general conference or during uh, just over the course of our day. But the natural man for me, I think, is the way that I naturally behave. So I'm, I'm just going to share maybe a couple stories. The, the things that I naturally do are not always positive. Uh, I'll tell, I'll tell a story. We at work, I work at FedEx and I work overnight as a, uh, demanding schedule. And a few months ago, we made a significant change to our, sort. We used to, I used to work the night sort and the night sort, my teams offload and unload aircraft. And I love it. I love the being around the aircraft and the gates and the, the all the action there. And the night sort that we used to, to do would be, we'd start at about 1130 or so planes would come in. We'd start taking all the, the freight off. And then after it got sorted, we would load the planes. And after the, the planes launched, which was usually about 4.30. I would go back to my office, wrap a few things up. I'd be out by, you know, on a lane, on a, on a normal day, about 7 o'clock. On a long day, my, maybe 8 o'clock. I might push it to 9 o'clock. And I'd come home, sleep for a bit, and then do it all over again. Well, we started a, a project uh, back in the end of March. And we added a new sort. And this was designed to help get... The lower priority, maybe second day air or the standard overnight, the the stuff that wasn't urgent that had to be there by 10 o'clock or 1030, get that there and relieve some of the, the pressure on some of the hubs, ramp stations so that, that they could get the, the freight there. Long way of saying that now I have two sorts. I have a night sort, which is the same basic window. We start at about the same time. Actually, my team starts a little bit early, earlier. And we're done roughly the same time, about 4 o'clock, 4.30. And then we turn around and we start the second sort. And we're doing the exact same thing. We're just doing it a second time. And I will tell you, my natural reaction to this was, once we implemented it, things were in full swing. The first several days, they were brutal. They were rough. And I was out with my teams on the, the ramp from about 10 o'clock until 4.30 for the that night sort. Well, then we turn around. We do the, the sunrise sort, so from about 4.30, and we would finish that about 9.30. And so now I'm not done with even my team interaction until 9.30. Then I still had admin things and stuff that people were asking for. Hey, I need to have a new uh, uniform, or I need to get... Um, and if I had attendance issues or whatever that I needed to address, I would spend a couple of hours in my office. And so I was spending a short day was 14 hours 
a regular day was about 16 hours and a long day, I spent sometimes more than 20 hours at work. It was tough. And my natural reaction was bitterness. I was just, I was angry. I, um, <laughs> I don't think I was a very nice person to be around. I complained to everybody. I complained to my wife. I complained to my boss. I complained to my peers. And it just, it didn't get any better, but I realized it was actually, it was a couple of days in, I was talking to a group of leaders of various teams. They didn't all, actually none of them reported to me. They all reported to various pers- people, uh, other, other peers of mine. And as I was talking, I had a thought. The thought that I had was the job that we're doing today is exactly, exactly the same job we were doing a week ago. And last week we liked our jobs. So why is it that we don't like our jobs today? And I realized that for me, the only difference was it was longer. I was there for more hours. But aside from that, it was the exact same job. And the interesting thing was it was just that thought that was enough to make my attitude shift. So how does that relate to the natural man? I think a lot of times in our day-to-day, as if we're not intentional about how we perceive our life, situations, the, the facts that we're dealing with, it is really easy to, to kind of sink into a sarcastic or a a a frustrated or bitter or angry mindset. And as we go there, as we get frustrated or bitter or sarcastic or complainy, or that's probably not a word, but I'm going to use it. We, the way that we feed that, and I guess I'll speak for myself, the way I feed that is I find people that I can spread that to whether it's my wife or my family or my peer group or my friends or whatever. And in the name of what I sometimes think is just a good story, it becomes, it becomes my reality. And the interesting thing for me is that as soon as I changed the way that I thought about my job, my whole outlook changed. I love my job. Now, I sometimes cringe as I think about that, because there are some things that really are frustrating uh, about, and I think about life, it's not necessarily a specific job, but it, it was surprising to me as I looked back on this, that the, the natural tendency that I had was to just complain or to get sucked into other people complaining. So let's talk about another situation. And I'm not going to, at at the risk of sounding um, maybe a little braggy, I'm not going to give a lot of the details just so that you can imagine. But imagine, imagine uh, a situation maybe that, that resonates with you. I, there was a situation in my life that I had people complimenting me on and on a fairly regular basis, they would tell me how much they uh, enjoyed or appreciated this specific thing that, uh, that had to do with me and my, uh, my being, my essence, myself. 
And my natural man, my natural tendency was to assume that they had to be joking. They had to be making fun of me. And I was able to handle it. I, I laughed with them since I assumed that they were poking fun. I poked a little fun at myself as well, just to kind of relieve some of that maybe um, tension, pressure, disappointment. I don't know. But it was really surprising to me that at some point I realized that what they were saying was not a joke. They were actually genuinely complimenting me. And it was, it was a shock. A few weeks ago, we talked about, oh, what if, what if we're wrong? What if I'm wrong about, and, and not necessarily in the context of our belief system, uh, when it, as it relates to the church, but what if we're wrong about our belief system as it relates to ourself? This is where I think about the natural man. My natural belief system about myself is more negative than positive. I don't think that I'm unique in that way. After having spent some time with family, I think a lot of times as as we think about things uh, about ourselves, maybe it could be talents or characteristics or our, our natural gifts or whatever, whatever it might be, it is so easy for me anyways, and maybe for you, to discount those things. So as an example, you may give a talk in church and somebody comes up afterwards and they say, oh, that was amazing. I really gained some wonderful insight. Thanks so much. And I think it is, it can be really uncomfortable to, to take that kind of, of compliment or that kind of praise. And so a natural reaction for me and maybe for you is to discount that. Oh no, no, I, I, I didn't have much time to prepare or I wasn't very, uh, cohesive in all my thoughts or, and we just kind of discount it. I think that's part of the natural man. I think that the, the, the thoughts that we naturally think I'm not very good. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not as strong as I should be. I'm not behaving in whatever way that might be, uh, the way that I should, my prayers aren't as, as heartfelt maybe as they should be, or my come follow me study isn't as consistent as maybe it should be. I think natural man encompasses all of that, where we beat ourselves up about the things that we do or don't do as we compare our worst, because we are intimately aware of the worst aspects of us to the best that we see in other people, which is what we see on Instagram or Facebook, or we see them dressed up on Sunday and in, in their finest and their, uh, their deep insights or whatever. And, and our worst compared to their best just feeds this natural man, this dialogue that we tell ourselves. And it's just I don't think it's productive. I'll, t- I'll tell one story. I was, uh, a few weeks ago, I was getting ready to leave to visit uh, my parents. They live in Portland, Oregon, because <laughs> I know there are a couple of the, uh, Portland's in various states. And I had 
a plan. I knew what time I needed to get to the airport. I knew that, and I fly standby. I think I've mentioned that before. And so just to make sure that I got everything ready for when I needed everything to be ready, I needed to leave the house by 4.45 in the afternoon. Well, I had worked all night and I had fallen asleep and I woke up at 5.15. So I'm 30 minutes behind where I wanted to be. So I'm scrambling. I figured I still can make this work. The flight didn't leave until 7.15. It's a 35-minute drive to the airport from my house. And it was going to be fine. Well, I put my suitcase in the trunk, got ready to get in the car. It's now about 5.20, 5.25 maybe. And I look down, I can't find my keys. Well, the keys, I have a a keychain that is magnetic and So it comes off in two parts. I have my car key and the fob that's on one part. And then I have all my work keys, my house key. I have all those on a separate uh, keychain, but they, they connect magnetically. And so I had a car key. I could get to the airport. That wasn't the issue, but my office keys, my work keys, all the, all the stuff that I needed for next week when I get back missing, couldn't find them. So I'm scrambling. I had this sense of panic. It just, it was so, I haven't felt that level of stress in a long time. I was retracing my steps. I went through the the trunk. Uh, I was opening up my bag and dumping things out, trying to find where are these keys and looking at the clock as the minutes tick by and, and knowing that my chance of getting to the airport on time to be able to make this flight was reducing. It just was, uh, slipping through the, the, the window that I had available. Uh, I was a little bit stressed and I was probably not super kind as my wife came home and I told her that I'm not sure if I should abandon my flight and keep searching for my keys or abandon the keys and get to the airport. I eventually decided to abandon the keys and I started driving to the airport. And at now 5.30, 5.40, I was hitting rush hour traffic. And so my 35-minute drive to the airport now took an hour. So where I had in my plan plenty of time to get to the airport, calm, comfortable, relaxed, I'm now stressed. I lost my keys. I am stuck in traffic. I don't know if I'm going to make it to the airport on time. As I'm driving, and this is all, this is just the natural reaction to what was going on. It was quite the freak out moment. You would have uh, really enjoyed the show, I think, if you had been able to see that. And so, again, natural man. Natural man. The natural instincts. The natural inclinations. The natural thoughts. The natural behaviors. Those are an enemy to God. What is the chance that I can feel the Spirit? I was praying. But what is the chance that I can feel the spirit when I'm in that mindset? What is the chance that I can be directed by God when I'm in a panic because I can't find my keys and I'm stuck in traffic? Now, the end of the story, (laughs) I guess, in case you're interested, I got to the airport. I parked in the economy lot, which is, I don't usually park there. I usually park in the FedEx employee lot because I can park there for free. So I'm now paying for parking. I hopped on the bus. I'm almost, almost to the point where they're going to drop me off and I get, and my phone rings and it's 
the airline asking, do you still want to be on this flight? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Okay, well, everybody's boarded already. We're just waiting for you. And I still had to get into the airport, get through security. I made it. I made it on. It was uh, a wonderful flight. And so that worked. And then when I got home, I found my keys. <laughs> so it all worked out. But that whole panic session that I had about being stuck in traffic, about being um, you know, unable to, to get into my office when I got back to work on Monday, that was all a natural reaction and it was worthless. It didn't add anything to my life, especially since everything worked out. There's a story, and I don't remember if I've shared this on the podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, take a little bit of a, a, a tangent just for a minute. And uh, I think it kind of relates to the next part, unless we yield to the enticings of the Holy Spirit. Now, those are some really subtle words. Yielding implies giving up some level of control. If you think about on, on the road, if you're yielding, you're giving up the control or giving up the right, the right of way to somebody else. So yielding, I love the word because I think it's it's subtle enough that it really can be instructive. And the enticings of the Holy Spirit, that also is such a beautiful way of, of expressing how the Spirit interacts with us. It's, an, it's subtle, it's light, it's, um, it, it is certainly not heavy-handed. So I, I fly standby quite a bit, and, and standby, if you haven't done standby travel, it's, uh, it can be a little bit uh, interesting because you only get on the plane if there's an open seat, which means if there's a, a fair paying passenger, then they get the seat there. I'm never going to bump somebody who paid to be on the plane. But if you've been on a plane, and you've seen open seats, then you um, know that not every flight is at capacity. And I, as a benefit for my job, get to take advantage of some of those seats at substantial discounts. Well, there was a, um, an, a temple open house in Lisbon, Portugal, which is where I serve my mission. And I wanted to go. I I I want. I had not been back to the country since I left the uh, for my mission, and I I wanted to get back. I wanted to go to the open house, and I've shared in a couple of different contexts. I don't think I did on the podcast before, but the Indianapolis Temple, which is where I live, Indianapolis, and the Lisbon Portugal Temple, which is where I serve my mission. Both temples were announced on the same day in general conference. It was it was a marvelous day for me because as a missionary. I prayed with my fellow missionaries, with other members, that we would have a temple in the country of Portugal. And then as a member of a stake in the Indianapolis area, we prayed that we might have a temple close by. Our temple at the time was Louisville, Kentucky, which is about two and a half hours away. Not uh, outrageous, but certainly not as convenient as 15 minutes, which is what it is now for me. So as I was talking to my wife one morning about this idea, this crazy idea that I had to go to Lisbon for the open house, she didn't shut me down. She told me she wasn't going to go, but to me that sounded like permission. So I ended up going, I bought the tickets, uh, the standby tickets, and uh, just as a kind of frame of reference, if I had made it from Indianapolis 
to Lisbon on the standby ticket, the ticket would have cost $125. Now that is a bargain. <laughs> I have not seen a trip from Indianapolis to Europe for anywhere close to that. And so I bought my ticket and I was looking at, I have some different strategies to, to be as successful as possible. And I thought I had it locked, locked up. I got there. It was fantastic. Uh, they actually put me in a business class seat. It was wonderful. I love that. Got to the open house, had some amazing experiences. And coming back, I was flying back on Labor Day. I didn't have to work that night. It was fantastic. It gave me an extra day. And I didn't make the flight. The flight was full. And I thought maybe because it was a holiday in the States, there wouldn't be as many people traveling. Well, I, I misjudged that. So I ended up spending an extra day in, in Lisbon. I survived it. And uh, in fact, I told the guy at my Airbnb where I'd stayed that uh, I loved the place. I would be back. Well, I rebooked the same place for one more night. And he, when I came back to check back in, he said, I didn't expect to see you back tonight. Well, <laughs> it just worked out. So it was great. So the next day, Tuesday, I had to be back to work that night. And I'm sitting in the airport, not sure whether I'm going to make my flight. And I was just stressing out. And it's that same kind of feeling that, again, I think part of that is the natural man. That's an enemy to God. We can't be uh, sensitive to the enticings of the Spirit if we're in that mindset. Well, the thought crossed my mind. I don't know that it was necessarily a thought. It may have just been something that, uh, that I was reminded by my Father in Heaven that in all the times that I've ever flown standby, it always works out. It always works out. I always get to where I want to go. It doesn't always work out the way that I think it should. It doesn't always work out on the the flight schedule that I want, but it always works out, which means me sitting in in Lisbon, it's going to work out. I'm going to get back home at some point. And it, I, I realized this is faith. This is faith, knowing it is going to work out. I absolutely know it is going to work out. I don't know how, but it's going to work out. Faith is the knowledge of things hoped for but not seen. I know it's going to work out because it always does. I just don't know how. And so that path from here to there, that's the question mark, but I know I'm going to get there. So it and it worked out. There were two flights, one on American, one on United, and I didn't get the one. I got the other one. I think I was on United instead of American. But the the uh, end result was it worked out and made it back to the airport in Indianapolis just in time for me to get to back, back to work. It was a long, exhausting day, but it worked out. So that's... So there's, first of all, there's my tangent, but that I think also is, is another example for me that the natural man, that natural, those thoughts that come into my head that seem to hijack where I could be going, where I should be going, where I certainly am going to be better off believing, having faith, confidence, uh, some degree of comfort, knowing it's all going to work out. And then there's still this natural man. So how do we deal with the natural man? How do we deal with those, those thoughts? How do I deal with the stress of knowing I'm running late to the airport? I don't know if I'm going to even make my flight, and I don't even know where my keys are. 
Well, I don't have the definitive answer on that. I'll just share a couple things. Um, number one is just to to take a step back. I ended up talking to a friend as I was driving to the airport, and the question was asked, what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? Well, as far as my keys were concerned, I would have to ask somebody to open my office door. Okay. Everything that I need for the course of a business day is in my office and I would have access to it once I get the door open. Well, getting the door open is not a problem. Okay. So that's the worst case scenario. Number two, it might be embarrassing to me to go to my boss and say, hey, I can't find my keys. I need to get replacements. That's it. That's the worst case scenario. And I let my whole drive to the airport, not the whole drive, because I finally got talked off the, off the ledge. But I was on track to let my whole trip to visit my parents, which was so wonderful, get derailed by these natural thoughts. What about when I was sitting in Portugal trying to get back? That thought that I don't know how I'm going to get back. I've got to work tonight. I didn't have a calling plan. How am I going to get in touch with my boss and let her know that I'm going to be late if I'm going to be late or if I'm not going to come in and all, all this? What's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario, which is what I ended up living from that Monday to Tuesday was I spent another day in, in Lisbon. Big deal. <laughs> Cost me 50 bucks or something like that for the, for the Airbnb. That was it. And there you go. That's, you know, looking back, I got another day in, in Europe. That was fantastic. And I was so close and, and it really started that way. I was so close to letting my, my experience be derailed by these panicky thoughts that what, what am I going to do if I really think, and this is certainly not an all-inclusive list, but I really think that a lot of times when we have those knee-jerk thoughts, that's the natural man. And that's an enemy to God. We can't be sensitive to the direction that I think our Father in Heaven wants us to have. Now, does that mean he was going to tell me as I was driving, don't worry about it, you're going to find your keys? I don't know. He didn't tell me, hey, you need to look in your trunk again for the fourth time because you didn't see him the first three times, which is where I found him. I just, but in the moment, I can't be sensitive to those thoughts. And it wasn't until I got home Saturday night, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. I went to church, didn't worry about my keys, went to church finished church, went out to my car. I was waiting for my wife to finish a meeting that she was in. And I just thought, I'm going to check my trunk one more time. I know it's not in my, in my suitcase. I'd already checked that when I was in Portland. And so there were a couple of other places that as I, I hadn't, but as I would retrace, retrace my steps, I would go back to the uh, comforter on my bed and maybe got wrapped up in there. Maybe it fell underneath the bed. Maybe it is in the garage on the on the ground. Maybe it's in the driveway. So I have all these ideas, but I just thought, well, I'm here waiting. I'm just going to check the trunk. And I rearranged some things and there they were. So the natural man is an enemy to God. So what does that mean for us? I think 
<laughs> as we've been talking now for half an hour. I don't know if this is productive. I don't know if it's, if it's beneficial at all. It is for me. I think that realization that the natural man is an enemy to God is a reminder that those thoughts that I instantly have, and it could be something that causes stress. It could be when I meet somebody and I think, I don't like him. It could be, man, that guy's a jerk. It could be anything. Some of those knee-jerk thoughts, I think, come from the natural man. And it takes time. It takes practice. It's a habit to not to not have those thoughts because that's natural. I think those things are going to come up. But it takes time, it takes practice, I think it takes habit to realize those thoughts aren't necessarily reality. And I can set those thoughts aside. And it's not easy to do. But as I take time, as I practice, I can set some of those thoughts aside and be open to having a more uh, connected experience with the Spirit. I think that's about all I have to say. As we we could dissect the second half of that verse, and maybe we will at some, at some point where we can talk about how do we rely on the atonement? How do we take advantage of, of access to that? And what does that look like? Because this may not necessarily have anything to do with sin, and sin is the, is the uh, reason that we oftentimes think about accessing the atonement. So, but we may have some conversation about that at some point. But those are just some thoughts that I've been having. The natural man is an enemy to God. And so if we're having natural thoughts that fall into that category of natural man, then let's find ways that we can discount those thoughts at a minimum and maybe replace those thoughts with something that's a little bit more hopeful, a little bit more faithful, a little bit more inspired or inspiring, and so that we can put off the natural man and become a saint. And that's all I've got for this week. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate your uh, kind words, your feedback. Please reach out to me, Ken at chocolatecakebites.com, if you have any thoughts or impressions. I didn't give any shout outs this time. I will, in a future episode, I got to meet Sister Wanless, who is one of the early reviewers. Thank you so much for spending some some time saving uh, a, a few minutes so we can have that connection. And I did share some chocolate cake with her. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Chocolate Cake Bites. Please like, share, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating to review. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas, and you can reach out to me at ken at chocolatecakebites.com. And before you end the day, take a few minutes to consider, who do you know who needs chocolate cake? <laughs>